John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Theme tune time. Let's go, John. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. I told you there's no way I'm singing. Come on. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. Yeah. John and Sam in Japan. Never gonna happen. And put your clothes back on, it's just weird. Ah, never! John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Welcome to the show. Here's John. And here's Sam. And this is John and Sam in Japan. The international comedy podcast. Episode 249. (laughs) Yeah. That'll do. (laughs) How's things going with you? Yeah, good. This week, my daughter, who is five years old, she came into the bathroom and opened her mouth and went, oh, look, and she put her finger behind her mouth and behind her front tooth, I could see another tooth growing out, which freaked me out because I think she's a bit too young. (laughs) So we got my my wife involved in Google and because it looks quite horrific. We were worried that she's going to end up looking like some sort of weird horse face, you know, or shark with like (laughs) rows of teeth. But actually... (laughs) But actually, it turns out that it's just completely normal. That's how your baby teeth fall out. The real ones grow behind them and push them out. Well, actually, coincidentally, I had a toothy story with my uh, son. He's how old is he? Five. He's five too. <laughs> we were in the uh, we were in the park the other day, and he's had a wobbly tooth on the bottom for a little while, and uh, he jumped at me, and my arm smacked him in the face. That old chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> Should I say he headbutted my arm? <laughs> Your Honour. <laughs> yes, social services. <laughs> and his tooth pinged out. And as it went, I, I saw it go out of my like peripheral vision. And we were on the grass and it, you know, it flew. I said, oh, I think your tooth's come out. And it had. And then my wife, it was his first tooth that's ever come out. So my wife was adamant that we were going to find it. So then we spent about the next 90 minutes searching for the tooth. Oh, a baby tooth as well. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> tiny. <laughs> <laughs> but you found and, it? Uh, no, we didn't even find it. Oh. So, I know. So then the next morning, uh, I had the day off the next day, um, but my wife was going to work. So she said to me on her way out of the door, get yourself down that park and get on your hands and knees. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> So I went down there. I didn't go there just for the tooth. I took my son to the park again. But I did stop off around that area and had a look. But there was a family, like, with all their stuff, you know, a picnic mat out where we were (laughs) looking for the tooth. So I started, like, wandering around them, staring at the ground. (laughs) And uh, and they're they're like, oh, can we help you? I said, oh, yeah, I lost my son's tooth yesterday. At this point, he'd scooted off down the path. So it looked like I didn't even have a son. (laughs) So I couldn't look for it for as long as I, well, for as long as my wife would have liked, but I certainly had a quick look and couldn't find it again. So uh, so if anyone is in the uh, the park knocking around Hiratsuka, finds a baby tooth, please return it to its rightful owner. Was she still quite pissed off about it? Uh, she was, she, I don't know what she wanted to do with it, make a necklace or something, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like the, the tooth scary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well all, actually with regard to that I do have good news that the tooth fairy did indeed visit and uh, and uh, money was left so oh, it was good. a happy ending <laughs> 
She'll never let you forget this. That's exactly what she said to me. In fact, I think she was happy that it happened at the end of the day. <laughs> Just one more thing for the divorce paper. <laughs> yeah, remember that time you knocked out our son's tooth? And then refused to find it. <laughs> she probably found it and put it in her pocket. Just... <laughs> yeah. So what's on today's episode then? Uh, well... We've got a uh, busy episode, as ever. Uh, we've got uh, Culture Corners back with Pete Siddell this time, uh, bringing you some culture from the UK. Uh, we've got some stand-up comedy from Buck. Uh, he's one of those people uh, that only has one name, a little bit like Madonna, um, Prince. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Was, wasn't he Jesus Christ? <laughs> I don't think he said that on his passport. Yeah, or, or is that just the exclamation? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, comedy from Buck. He's from America and Guyana. Uh, and of course, a whole lot more. But first, this. This is JNSNJ News. All right, time for some news. John, what have you got for us? Um, this was actually sent in to us by a listener called Pete. Uh, and the headline of the story is nearly $18 million worth of cocaine found in boxes of bananas donated to a Texas prison. <laughs> <laughs> One of your five a day. Yeah. So it says uh, authorities in Texas said bananas donated to a prison in the state turned out to have nearly $18 million worth of cocaine hidden in their boxes. I mean, that is quite insane. That yeah, that's a lot of cocaine. <laughs> To, do, to donate inside a prison. Like, I mean, what were they going to do with it? <laughs> they were going to take it and tell each other about their uh, possible movie scripts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, $18 million worth, that's a huge amount. Uh, it doesn't actually say how big the prison is, but it says the Texas Department of Criminal Justice outlined the finding a surprisingly jaunty Facebook post which began, sometimes life gives you lemons, sometimes it gives you bananas, and sometimes it gives you something you'd never expect. They're always, they always get dead happy, don't they, the police, when they do something good. They oh, just, they love it. <laughs> Stack it high on the tables. Yeah, smug. Um, the two pallets of bananas were donated because they were already ripe, the DC, uh, DCJ said, and they arrived on Friday from Ports of America in Freeport. One of the boxes felt different from the others. Uh, so we slipped a few straps, pulled the box open, inside under a bundle of bananas, another bundle inside that, what appeared to be a white powdery substance. They immediately notified port authorities and awaited their instruction. The pallets, oh, right. Yeah. The pallets turned out to contain quite the cash with, the, with 540 packages of cocaine in 45 boxes of bananas. Oh, somebody's going to get f killed for that, aren't they? <laughs> Uh, there's going to be, well, it's a potential banana skin, let's put it that yeah. way. Well, I think uh, from the looks of it then, I think they uh, they were donated by accident. I think where they were supposed to be going, maybe didn't get the bananas. Oh, oh right. I, do you think so? Yeah. Well, so someone's, think... hi someone's hidden the cocaine in the bananas expecting it to go to somewhere else and it's ended up being delivered to the prison. Well, it just says the two pounds of bananas were donated because they were already ripe. So... I wonder if some guy in the port has gone, yeah, you can have these two crates. And then uh, comes on oh. to find his wife and kid with their heads cut off. <laughs> <laughs> so evil. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so this reminds me of uh, a story I heard from another friend uh, about a friend of his in a Japanese prison that involved bananas. <laughs> Do you want to hear it? <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> so this friend of a friend, he was uh, he'd been caught uh, with some cocaine, and so he was in he was in a Japanese prison, and he was a uh, he was an American guy, <laughs> and his friend had gone to visit him, and he'd asked him, oh, how are you doing?" And he wasn't very happy, he said, because uh, the food was rubbish. They just kept giving him rice. <laughs> well, shock, horror. <laughs> and, uh, don't get sent to prison in Japan. And uh, he was just, he said he was desperate for some fruit, fresh fruit. And then one day, he'd got this, uh, I suppose it'd be like a menu to his cell. And they were allowed to choose what they wanted. But the menu was all in Japanese, but he could read the word bananas, because bananas is written in uh, katakana, which is one of the easier Japanese writing systems to read. Yeah, they've only got three. Yeah. So he put down that he wanted six bananas. Um, what he didn't realise was that they uh, they were counted in bunches, so they delivered 24 bananas to his room, <laughs> which which he had to eat because it was in the middle of summer and the cell wasn't air-conditioned and they were going bad quick. And to make, to make things even worse, that dinner time, they gave him, they slid a bowl of rice through his door and a banana. <laughs> that was J and S in J News. Welcome one and all to Culture Corner. It's the corner. You can learn a lot about different cultures, but not corners. Learn while having fun in Culture Corner. It's a corner. Words, phrases, metaphors. You'll soon know the score. Find out what they mean with a Culture Corner team. Hi. Welcome to Culture Corner. Today I shall be talking bollocks. But not just any bollocks, oh no. I'll be talking dog's bollocks. And not just any old dog's bollocks, THE dog's bollocks. Bollocks is British English slang for testicles. It also can be taken to mean anything of low quality or patently unreliable. For example, that second Star Wars movie was a big sack of bollocks. Or, that Nigel Farage doesn't half talk a load of bollocks. On the other hand, the dog's bollocks means something of high quality, like the best of its kind, unsurpassable. It's not clear to me why when unattached bollocks are bad, but when attached to a dog, they are good. Well. It's good for the dog to have bollocks attached. If the bollocks were detached from the dog, the dog would think, oh, this is bollocks. As you can tell, I really enjoy this word. One origin theory is that this came from the dog's ballocks with an A. Uh, this apparently was a 1940s phrase in typography where one typesetter noticed that a colon and a dash next to each other looks like a dog's penis and testicles. I don't see it myself. Um, all that makes me think is that that typesetter was a bit too fixated with dog's genitalia. 
Other origin ideas which I found on the internet are that it came from early 20th century children's constructions kit. The boxes were labelled either box standard, which gave us box standard, or box deluxe, which somehow morphed into dog's bollocks. Uh, this theory was proposed on the TV show QI, but even the presenter said it was unsupported by evidence, so I think it's reasonable to dismiss that as bollocks. Another couple of origin theories are that um, testicles take a lot of licking, uh, which in the American idiom means hard to beat. Or the final theory that I found online was that dogs like to lick their testicles, so they must be good. There are a number of other animal phrases taken to mean something of excellent quality. There are quite a few, and some I have made up for the purpose of this podcast, so without googling, which would be cheating, which would be bollocks, see if you can guess which one of these are real and which I made up. The pooch's plums, the mud's nuts, the dog's danglies, the badger's nadgers, the dingo's kidneys, the cat's whiskers, the penguin's tux, the pig's plumb, the cat's pajamas, the bee's knees. I'll finish with a couple of usages I found by famous or famous-ish people. In the sleeve notes to comedy musical The Gambler, they said they are of the opinion that when it comes to Italian opera, Pavarotti is the dog's bollocks. And famous comedian Eddie Izzard, one of my favorites, used it in his show Circle, and he said... It's really weird. I mean, you can go up to the Queen and say, that outfit, the Queen, it's a dog's bollocks. <laughs> and she'll say, well, thank you very much for saying so. I thought it did look a bit like the dog's bollocks. <laughs> well, it does look, and it is the dog's bollocks. You <laughs> should be happy as Larry. However happy he is. <laughs> I hope you found this informative. You are now familiar with a piece of British slang which will stand you in good stead should you ever visit England. Unless you live there, in which case I'm talking bollocks. In any case, now back to the podcast, which I trust you will find truly is the dog's bollocks. Hey, what's up? Tokyo's finest tattoo artist, Miss Funk, is here at my studio here in Kichijoji. I specialize in body piercings for foreigners who know what they want. Just because a Japanese person would never have a bar through their nose doesn't mean you can't. I pierce ears, eyebrows, lips, belly buttons, nipples, noses, and even those secret places only your special friends would get to see. You're guaranteed to look cool when you're walking around Harajuku on a weekend. Miss Funky, I never refuse to pierce no matter how crazy it seems to a Japanese. Yo, Johnny McBee and Sammy O.T. Two Brits took a shit over a cup of tea Probably a spot of milk and a crumpet, please With someone else cooking in the kitchen Could someone answer the burning question? Okay, and now it's time for this episode's burning question. Oh, well, actually, before we uh, go to today's burning question, I had a, uh, a response to a previous burning question. 
that that burning question, if I remember rightly, was what was the worst summer or part time job you've ever had? Um, and Bob from America got in touch uh, on Twitter, and he said the worst was probably my first being a golf caddy at a pretentious country club, being treated very much like a slave of sorts. <laughs> he says a close second would be the summer spent selling kitchen knives. Um, so Bob has a sort of uh, interesting carrying around metal objects. <laughs> right. Well, we I got um, we got a, a reply from somebody called Joel uh, on Facebook to last episode's question: uh, What's the most danger you've ever been in? And we've had a lot of uh, people email us with answers to burning questions, but this is I think this is my favourite ever. And so Joel said, I was on a viewing platform overlooking uh, Kilatoa. I don't. I think that's in Ecuador or somewhere in South America, alone at night time, for some reason, and as there was no railings, when I took a step back, I fell straight off the side, uh, down the volcano. I was falling for ages and smashed onto the solid rock <laughs> 10 metres below. <laughs> I thought I was paralysed, but I wiggled my toes and fingers, Kill Bill style, and realised I was pretty fucked up if I didn't get up quick. <laughs> so I dragged myself back up to the viewing platform, and then to my hostel which was over the road. <laughs> I told the hostel woman to call me an ambulance. I went to lie down on my bed. The ambulance came and they gave me two shots of morphine before realising it wasn't doing anything. So they made me walk to the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't bother to strap me into the stretcher. So as we hurtled down the winding mountain roads for an hour, I was slipping and sliding everywhere, screaming, I can't breathe. And the paramedic telling me to chill out. This was at 4,000 metres so the air was really thin. Anyway, after more morphine and shitloads of x-rays, they said my lungs had been filling up with blood the whole time and they needed to get the blood out. We went to the wow. operating table and the doctors, the doctors lost the tube they were going to push through my ribs and into my lungs. They left me turning grey on the table for about 30, <laughs> 30 minutes while they ran looking for a new tube. The tube arrived and I had to breathe deeply so they could see through the hole they just made in the side and <laughs> to jam the tube in. They missed it loads of times and I was shouting at them all, freaking out. They pulled it off and sent me upstairs to the hospital where they told me I'd broken my pelvis and two ribs which had punctured my lung and my hip. I found out they'd missed the fact that I'd also broken my shoulder blade when I got back to Bogota. I was in, <laughs> I was in the Ecuador hospital for about a week. I watched two people die in the room I was in and a schizophrenic pissed on me. <laughs> I eventually... <laughs> I eventually got a flight back to Bogota from Quito. Um, but when I got out the front door, the ambulance which had sent to collect me had driven off because I was making them late for lunch. <laughs> I think that is epic. Yeah, that is an amazing, amazing, most dangerous moment for the burning question. Well, hats off to you, Joel. I hope you're okay now and that you've fully recovered. <laughs> so I actually said to him, I hope you're okay now. And he, he, he messaged me back saying, actually, some gold dealer in a pool hall in Colombia pulled his gun out on me and my friend after we'd been playing with for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so but we managed Joel's to make a... an escape, so it's all good. Joel likes to live on the edge. Yeah, very much so, I think. <laughs> and sometimes falls over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if any of you guys have got an answer to any of the previous burning questions, make sure you get in touch. And uh, if you've got any, if you've been in more danger than Joel, we'd love to hear about <laughs> it. Definitely love to hear it. <laughs> so I suppose this episode's burning question, which was, what's the most ridiculous piece of clothing you've ever owned? Yeah, we had a couple of responses in on Twitter. Uh, one, again, from Bob in America. Uh, he said, the most embarrassing clothes you ever had 
black and yellow smiley face thong because who doesn't find that sexy right <laughs> <laughs> also uh ruby rosales on twitter uh she got in touch she said bubblegum pink sneakers slash stiletto hybrid they sound amazing <laughs> uh, two two pairs of 1950s cat eye glasses a civil war jacket rodeo belt buckle a pair of glasses with one lens square and the other round Oh, and so much more. <laughs> she sounds like she has some amazing fashion. Um, <laughs> yeah. She uh, afterwards she uh, she added, uh, "My style is basically a fifty-fifty mix of simple classic clothes and this is hideous. I need it." <laughs> My wife has some purple pants, which uh, I find horrible, um, which she's kept wearing do you mean when you say pants are you talking british pants or american pants uh like jeans uh, i see <laughs> so I, after she had the baby uh babies she couldn't fit in them so i was quite happy but now she started going to the gym and dieting again so i'm worried you're gonna make a reappearance <laughs> so you're gonna have to start uh, just stockpiling kit kats and things for her to snack on <laughs> <laughs> yeah turn into a feeder <laughs> anyway how about you um I don't, well, I suppose when I was in school, we had those, what was it, Mr. Spliffy jeans and stuff, which were, in fact, actually, now I thought about it, I used to go out when I was about 18 to try and look older. I used to wear, like, a kind of university lecturer-style cardigan and brown corduroy pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a shame you didn't save them. You could have worn them now. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> oh, I don't think they'd fit me now. Definitely wouldn't fit me now. <laughs> no, no. Yes, I looked quite Hashtag fat bastard. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, so yeah, when I was sort of 14, 15, the big baggy jeans were kind of in style. But I remember this uh, one particular pair I had. They were red and black stripy, but much more red than they were black. Um, and I also had a red Joe Bloggs t-shirt I used to wear with them sometimes. And I remember this one time, oh, I mean, I looked like a complete tit. <laughs> And I, I remember one time we were down the park, you know, 14 years old, being hard in our baggy jeans. And uh, some older boys, who were probably like 17, came into the park. And they were, and they were sort of about 50 metres away. And they shouted out, you know, we're going to go and let's go and sort those lot out. And they started walking towards us. And then they started running. So we started like moving off. And then <laughs> as we started running off, one of them shouted, I'm going to bash in Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> <laughs> so uh not only was that a massive fashion faux pas it made me stand out in a crowd of uh teenagers <laughs> it's worth taking a beating just for that yeah <laughs> luckily uh yeah we escaped <laughs> back to grandma's house <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just got that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
All right, and now it's time for this episode's stand-up comedy, and we're featuring a comedian called Buck, who's based in Japan. He's the uh, showrunner for Funny Fridays in Yokosuka. He's involved in bringing a lot of comedians over to Japan. Uh, he's very well known on the circuit, uh, but most importantly, he's very, very funny. I think you're going to enjoy this. I have two kids, they're in grad school. I kind of love them now. <laughs> but they make you think about somebody else the whole fucking time. I don't want that. I was glad to see them go. When they were 16, I started buying them plates and forks. <laughs> 17. Here's your little Exxon mobile card. 18. Here's a lease. Sign this. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> but the one thing that I can say about my children is even at this age, I can stop their foolishness with a look. I've got that, I've got that secret parent look. You know, when your kids are about to act up, you just go, you're fucking playing games. <laughs> When you go in the store, don't look at shit. You don't want shit, not buying your shit. <laughs> and walk in a straight line. <laughs> I was recently at the post office when I was assaulted emotionally by someone else's child. And I'm standing there, I got my uniform on from work. I'm just like, I'm just trying to get my fucking package. I wanna go on with my life and just go home, eat some pasta and just die. That's all I wanna do. Work, I wanted to smack everybody at work. You know what I mean? You go to your job and as soon as you walk in, you're like, I add no value to this company whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm at the post office and I'm just waiting and waiting. There's a long line, you're gonna get these little slips and then if you've got a package, and there was this lady. She was, let me paint the picture. She was a big girl. Nothing wrong with big girls, I love them. I love big girls, you know? And she had two kids with her. And you know, Jamie talked about this earlier about foreigners, but black people, it goes a little deeper for us because we telepathically have to speak to every black person. It's in our log, it's in our, it's the only black privilege that we have. You know what I mean? So we have to, you know what I'm talking about, because when I walked in, we was like, all right, are you good? All right. <laughs> And so she's, these fucking kids are terrorizing their big mama and she's already having problems. She had like six boxes and the reason why it was so vivid was because the child, the son's name was Jameson. Why the fuck would you name your son after liquor? This motherfucker is gonna grow up with some problems. The little daughter, I don't remember her name, but she was evil. You know, she was evil. You know, she had big, like, doughy eyes, and, and she was in ponytails. It's always little girls with ponytails. Those little bitches are evil. You know what I mean? Because they fool you because they're cute. The lady in front of me, she was a heavyset black lady, and she looked at me, and I was like, what you want to do? I was like, no. These kids start walking out, we're going to tear their ass up. I don't give a fuck. So the lady asked her son to give her her package. Her packages fell all over the place. And the lady was like, Jameson, don't stand in the corner. You're in timeout. He was like, fuck you, mommy. And we were like, <gasps> the black lady looked at me and she was like, 
What you want to do, bro? <laughs> Parents unite. I looked at the back of the line. There was a guy back there. He just went like this. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so I gave her my belt. And I was like, listen, belt needs to hit ass hard and with fury. Because if you don't, they're going to grow up to be Menendez. They're going to cut you up and they're going to put you in your trunk. They're going to cut you up and they're going to kill you. They're going to disrespect you. They're going to kill you one day. So you beat them first. And if you beat them one good time, you never have to spank them again. Because you give them that look. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> the hills are alive. If you know, you get them right in order. <laughs> she takes the belt and she hits him. And we were like, bitch, you coming in soft and feminine. You know, it barely hit him. He was like, fuck you, mommy. And we were like, girl, look, this is coaching. This is a coaching moment. You're a big girl. Lean all the way back and connect. Before that happened, Jameson reached out and he punched his mother in the titty. But she was a big girl. The titty went this way. It ricocheted and slapped her right back in the face. <laughs> And everybody in the post office, all the parents were like, this shit is over. This shit is over. Take that fucking belt and beat his ass. So she leaned all the way back. Jameson's little ass fell on the ground. 15 minutes later, we had to call the police. Because she couldn't stop beating Jameson's little ass. Because at first we were like, we'll give you five. The sixth minute, the police come. We got to get out of here. We're all accessories. He locked the door. I encouraged it. The black lady was co signing. You know what I'm saying? Buck there, great stuff. I'd have to say, not all of his views are held by John and Sam in Japan. <laughs> if you want to find out more about him, you can visit our website johnandsaminjapan.com uh, that just leads me to say thanks to everyone who's been involved in today's episode especially uh, Pete Sidell in Culture Corner uh, once again thanks to Buck for providing the stand up um, and I think that's it oh John what's the uh, what's the burning question for our next episode uh, well next episode's burning question is what's the worst service you've ever experienced in a restaurant ah, okay I think there's going to be some good answers for that one yeah I hope that satisfies Bill <laughs> yeah <laughs> good old Bill <laughs> um, yes give us five stars and tell all your friends and family and your enemies and if you have any burning questions or you want to submit your own comedy or your own news stories please get in touch johnasaminjapan.com Anything else? Uh, no, I think that's all. Okay. Catch, Catch you later. later. John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast.